Yes, hello, I am James Rollins, and today it's the Dubbing Art 336. We have so much to cover, including Dynamite, the Women's News, and the pay-per-view fallout, plus a look at Impact before Sacrifice. But we start with the prelude to Revolution. We're going to have a look at the Dynamite episodes leading up to Revolution, of course. We start with the 17th of February. The show opens with an intro video, Hangman Alan Page and Matt Hardy versus TH2, Angelico and Jack Evans. TH2 has the advantage over Big Money. Adam out of nowhere, Buckshot takes both of TH2 out. Hardy calls for it and spikes Angelico on his dome with a twist of fate. It's over. Hangman Adam Page and Matt Hardy win by pinfall. It wasn't a bad match. Matt is actually looking quite good. And post-match, Hardy tells Page that he looks like a billion bucks. He's going to make a lot of money. Which has Matt stoked because he thinks he's getting 30% of whatever he makes. Hangman takes a mic and says some good friends told him to always keep another set of papers rolled up in his jacket. He doesn't know how closely Matt read that contract. Hardy says he sent it right to his lawyer to make it legit. Adam asks for a member of the Panthers legal team to come down and read the contract. Hardy takes it and reads, shock and confusion playing across. It's not a talent representative contract. It's a contract for a match at Revolution. Hardy versus Page. And if Big Money loses, Adam gets all of his earnings for the first quarter of 2021. Well, thoughts on this? Brilliant. Adam Page is not an idiot. I was so worried when he was signing that contract. And I don't actually think I saw him uh, switching it out or not. But then he, uh, Matt Hardy accuses Page of being a carny and bamboozled him, admitting he got one over him. He says he wants Page to put his own first quarter earnings on the line. And Adam says that he might have a money match. They shake at it, and Matt tells him he's finished. The mascot then attacks Page. It's Isaiah Cassidy. Hardy offers CH2 $3,700 to beat Hangman down. That's each. But Dark Order make the save. The ring clears and Alan Angels brawls with Hardy but gets dumped to the floor. And Big Money barely escapes a buckshot. Page and the Dark Order stand tall, facing each other uneasy. Well, thoughts on this? Yes, we want Adam Page in the Dark Order. And this story is actually working quite well. We see in the circle interview backstage, Ortiz and Santana point out that it's the first tag team title shot ever. And they're coming to collect. MJF yells at Sammy Guevara at length and Chris Jericho tells him to shut up and everybody was watching the show and saw him go to Sammy for weeks until he finally quit the end. A lot of it is MJF's fault, but the majority of it was Guevara's. Jericho said he wanted them at each other's throats to make each other better, but Sammy screwed it up and quit the inner circle and now he's dead to him and he doesn't want to hear that name ever. He concludes by some of the T's are going to win the tag titles and bring gold back to the inner circle. Well, thoughts on this? Jericho's annoyance with MJF, you can see it plain to be seen, but he's setting his stall about Sammy. And back from commercial, uh, the commentary recaps the first round of matches on the Japan side of the bracket of the Women's World Championship number one contenders eliminations tournament. As well, inform us of the matches will be on next week's YouTube broadcast. And of course, here on the WNR, we did watch all of the YouTube shows uh, about the women's tournament. And with first round action in Japan, we get Yuki Sakazaki defeating May Sergei. Um, May is 21 years old, uh, old, and I quite liked her smiling gimmick. It's a really good match. There's a nice 450 balancing on top to finish it for Yuka. Then we had Emi Sakura defeating Vini. And Vini had a tribute to Hannah Kimura, of course, in her life last year. Uh, Emi is dressed like the Queen. Of course, she's a 25-year-old. Uh, Vini did impress, though. Tiger Driver got the job done and then Rio Mizunami defeated Maki Ito. Ito was in a girl band so sings and dances to the ring. Uh, she calls herself the cutest in the world and she has a hard head. Rio had a match at Double or Nothing 2019. The head and arm angle choke was enough. This was another good match and then Aya Kong defeated Rin Kadukura. Aya is a 34 year career veteran of course has been there and done that with anything. Rin is the wave champion and uh, this was a strong match. Second row power by drop for the finish. Um Thoughts on the first episode? Well, <laughs> this was really good stuff. Joe Antony put over Excalibur's commentary, and he was really good. And as noted, Thunder Rose advanced on last week's Dynamite. And, of course, uh, Serena Deeb faces Rio in the number contender's first round matchup. So let's get to it. We get Northern Knight suplex into the bridge, but Deeb managing to kick out. Off the top, double stop, not enough. Deeb staggered, but still able to duck the running knee. Traps the arms. Detox blocked. And Rio managed to get into the European clutch. It's no good. And then trading pins. And somehow, Rio gets the win. And this is great for her. Um, AEW finally finds its feet with the women. But NWA playing uh, an integral part into this. And of course they are. And Deeb, the champion, getting knocked out in the first round. This was a really good match. And then we get a training montage for Jade Cargill and Shaquille O'Neal ahead of the match next week. And Orange Cassidy makes his entrance to send us to a break. It's Luther versus Orange Cassidy when we get back. 
Luther blasts Chuck Taylor off the apron as Serpentico dives on him. Serpentico runs in, Chuck catches him, the awful waffle, and Orange rolls back in the ring, lines Luther up, and then wins by pinfall. It's almost like AEW doesn't know what to do with uh, Orange Cassidy. Uh, and this is a thing that uh, I think we've seen recently. Of course, it was a year ago he had the match with Pac at Revolution, and since then, of course, the feud with Jericho. But they're not really sure to pull the trigger. I don't know if it's just because of a comedy gimmick or, or whatever it is. But someone there they are pulling the trigger with, of course, Darby Allen. We get a recap Darby Allen versus Joey Janela from last week. It's about the aftermath of Team Taz dragging Darby off into the night. Team Taz make their entrance consistent tonight of Taz, Hook, and Brian Cage. Taz gets on the mic and says, We've all been hearing about his sting going to call him out, and they're down numbers due to the weather. So now it's time. The lights go down, and Sting indeed makes his entrance. Taz tells him stepping in the ring is the worst thing he could have done. Without that bat, he's done. He got dragged to FTW World after all. Sting throws the bat away and takes his jacket off and starts brawling to a cage. Hook comes from behind and the bat tries to choke Sting out. Sting reverses. Cage kicks him in the gut and a powerbomb to Sting. Well, this was scary. This was Sting's first bump since, of course, getting injured against Seth Rollins in 2015. And I think the world that held their collective uh, breath on that one. We see commentary hyping up the rest of the show. Eddie Kingston cuts a promo back to his family and he runs down all the reasons he's looking forward to tonight's main event, which mostly consists of the reasons why he wants to beat Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix and John Moxley up. Eddie is so good. Back from Mercer, we get a recap of Cage Power by Sting. Commentary tosses a video package of Kenny Omega reading Young Bucks' book to a bunch of elementary school children. He leaves almost immediately after he starts and some of the kids beg Kenny to stay and play. Don Callis leaves Michael Nakazawa to play with him instead, but they say they hate him and beat him up. Kenny is a smarmy bastard. Then Proud and Powerful, Ortiz and Santana versus Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We get a Doomsday device and then the Tag May Powerbomb Insiguri combination. The Superkick Party, but Ortiz breaks it up. Another tag, they suck the BTE trigger, but Santana moves away. Malfunction at the junction. Tag double, Ace Crusher, they get Nick up. Street Sweeper connects. Matt Jackson, like, barrels through the pin to break it up. Proud and powerful, double powerful, Matt over the barricade into the crowd, back inside, but Nick catches him, cradle to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships. This was a great match, but MJF in this one did intentionally get the inner circle thrown out. I guess we'll have to find out a little bit later. And then post-match in the circle return to beat the Young Bucks down at length. Brandon Cutler tries and fails to make the save, getting spinebusted to the stage by Jake Hager. MJF and Jericho have submission in the Bucks tap out. The good brothers make the save at their leisure. And we saw Bucks' parents at ringside, and Jericho got pushed by the dad. We go to a break and back from commercial, we'll get a pro from Brandy Rhodes. She wants to have some fun and do a gender reveal party on. That's not actually fun. She says she's the only one who knows whether the baby's a boy or a girl. Um, also incorrect, you've got to wait till the kid tells you that. And she's going to share it with us tonight. They make their entrance, and it's a girl flashes on the Tron. Uh, Cody then takes a seat as a commentary desk for the next one, which is FTR versus the Seidels. We see a released German suplex from the second on Mike. Sick. The FTR were behind the majority of them. Mike tags in kicks, lays cash out. Matt up top. Meteora to both guys. Mike were a corkscrew moonsault, but Wheeler gets a foot on the ropes. Jockey for position lands on his feet off the back suplex. Harwood tags in. Seidel slides low, but gets caught with a big rig. And the victory for FTR. It's good to see the Sardells, though. And, of course, this was an enjoyable match. Actually, I've grabbed the ringside doctor's medical kit from him and a pair of medical scissors. They go to cut Mike Sardell's hair. The lights go down. A luchasaurus appears in the shadow of his mask with a cut horn to the foreground. The lights come up and Jurassic Express are in the ring. They beat FTR down. Jungle Boy chokes Dax out with a snare trap while Luchasaurus chokeslams Cash. Up next, John Moxley cuts a promo and calls Eddie Kingston out for having a stick up his ass. He says he's probably the only guy around here that he already cares about. And he'll whip his times it takes to get through that in his head. And then after that, on February 26th, he'll try to break Kent's neck on New Japan Strong and put his ass on the ground for good. After that, he's going to take the rest of these son of a bitches down where he takes the AW World Championship back from Kenny Omega. And it'll take as long as it takes to settle the score. We go to the break where we're about butchering a blade. And Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley, Lance Archer and Ray Phoenix. Well, Moxley and Kingston trading forearms. Big and screw from the walking. Back fist to the future ducked. The match breaks down and Archer pounces with him. Moxley not choked, but the match breaks down again, and he and he get laid out. Archer chokes down Phoenix into the butcher and the blade, and then cannibals them back into it, back fist to the future, but Mox keeps his wits about him. Big lariat, underhooks, and then the paragon shift for the victory on Eddie Kingston. 
Now, thoughts on this match? This is a great match, but I, I did think Jake the Snake maybe has added a little bit of a, a timber, shall we say. And then post-match, the Good Brothers hit the ring and beat John down. Kenny Mega comes out and gets on the mic, saying Moxley's right now. He promised himself he wouldn't come here, but he's got exception because he's got a late balance on from Tony Khan, and he's given given mood, and Mox can have a rematch. But he's not. He's going to name the stipulation because Moxley just keeps coming back no matter what he does. If he has to put him in the ground, so be it. Exploding barbed wire death match. Moxley headbutts him and Omega comes back with a V-trigger. Blood on the brow, Omega stands tall. And what a vision to end that episode of Dynamite. Move on to the 23rd of February and the AEW Women's Show 2. Taz is joined by Excalibur. And AEW received uh, really bad news hours before the next episode of the tournament. Zana Jay was ruled out due to a shoulder injury, easy for me to say. And Maddie Renskoski was announced as a replacement. The show began with a match between Nyla Rose and Tay Conte. This is US quarterfinal. Beast bomb for job done after a Death Valley drive on the stage. I like Tay, but she was treated like an afterthought. This was a good match. She faces uh, Brit or Maddie next. And then we go to Japan and it's semi-time. And it's Emi Sakura versus Yuki Sakazaki. Um, Your Highness is in action. May, who had lost to Yuki, was part of the uh, Emi's entrance. She got a few good kicks in. A really fun match. Yuki stole one over Sakura by catching her in a crucifix pin. This upset. And we move on to the last semi. It's Rio Mizunami versus Aya Kong. Rio slapping ref when he's checking is actually a really uh, funny thing that she does. This was another hard hit match. This is not pretty, but he definitely was affected. Uh, they brought outside, and as I was trying to get in, Rio hit a leg drop off the top of the apron to get the count out and a huge upset win. And then we go back to America for the uh, quarterfinals match. Britt Baker versus Manny Venskoski. Baker jumped Manny before the match. Manny survived an air raid crash, but a locked jaw was just too much. It's not a bad match. You can see how they treat Japanese and American women's wrestling too. It was a good show overall. And then on to news, we get arrivals. And AEW announced on the Wednesday the signing of Big Show Paul White to a long-term contract. Uh, he will wrestle as well as being commentated for a new week show called AEW Dark Elevation. Um, he said it's been an amazing to watch AEW was built in just a couple of years. AEW Dark is an incredible platform to own the skills of up-and-coming wrestlers. But I also love that established AEW talent can build on their personalities and showcase themselves in new ways on Dark. It's no acceleration when they say AEW is boundless. And AEW President Tony Khan also discussed the signing. Calling White one of the most recognisable and impressive athletes in the world. And White believes that we're the best promotion in wrestling. Well, sure had been with WWE at that point for 20 years, but had wrestled for WCW before. And he made his surprise over for WWE at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in 1999. Pay-per-view uh, I had actually watched recently as well. And uh, when he comes through the ring, it's ginormous. Well, we'll move on to our next show of Dynamite, and it's 24th of Feb. The show opens with an intro video. Ryan Nemeth gets a program when he's saying he's coming roll tonight, but unfortunately he has to go against John Moxley. Moxley blocks a big DDT and a little back and forth, and he slaps Nemeth down. Ryan gets some face lock knees. Running, Mox catches him with a corner lariat, but he's a drop kick right on the button. Blocks a net breaker, full Nelson's tradition. Moxley grabs the guillotine briefly, and then the paragraph shift to get the victory. Uh, Ryan is a really good hand. Post-match, Mox, Mox cuts a promo about how he's never stopped thinking about regaining his title and he'll do whatever it takes to get to Kenny Omega and explode in Barbar death. He does some word association and asks how the images make you feel. They admit that he's addicted to being in the ring, living close to the flame to the feeling of coming out here with all the blood, sweat and tears and laying his soul bare every night. He tells Kenny he's just the latest in a long, sad line of guys. They try to kick him out, a win, lose, draw. Talks about everybody's watching, everybody's stuck by him through everything and so he's come to an end at revolution that's a perfect way to go it was mox at his best we then get video package detailing the history between omega and moxley and let me see lance archer and ray phoenix were interviewed uh, about the qualifying match for the face of revolution ladder uh, archer says iron sharp as iron is a reason they make a great team but he's going to kick phoenix's ass phoenix responds in spanish and interview translates saying he's the worst partner ray has ever had this gets him brawling Phoenix uses speed to dodge Lance and sends him crashing into some stuff scattered around the room, <laughs> which is quite fun. And then Cobb's hard part of the rest of the show. Go to commercial when we get back. We get recap of the inner circle getting in with the young Buck's dad last week. And footage of their mum taking a picture with three of them in the front of their truck with their picture on it. Of course, this is all set up. 
for Leighton and Team Taz, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks versus the Blondes, Pillman and Garrison. There's nice exchanges with Pillman with Starks. Pillman takes awful looking bump and ring posts on stairs, and then the Hills take over after that and put on an absolute built beating on Pillman. Starks gets cocky and Griff gets the hot tag. Now bomb dropkick combination and Ricky Starks won't stay down. Tags in Cage who gets a drill claw on Brian Pillman for the win. And I think Pillman looks ready to break out. Uh, after his performance there, this was a really enjoyable match. Then we get a black and white video package of Sting driving. Darby Allen, who's half skull paint, is now half Sting paint. And he does it in a body bag for unzipping him and letting him out. Sting makes his entrance, dragging the body bag. He opens it up, but it's Taz's son hooking the bag. Darby Allen zip lines in and takes Stark and Cage out with his skateboard. The Stinger joins the beatdown while Taz checks on his kid. Allen takes Starks out with a planche and beats him down. Right hands from Sting puts Cage in the corner and he lays him out with a lariat. The Stinger splash, he kicks Brian's leg out from under him. Inverted face lock, Scorpion death drop. The baby face is down to we go to a break. It's Sting. I mean, this is actually good. Safety above all with a zip line, which is great to see. Might have taken a couple of seconds longer on the ground, but it's worthwhile. I do wish he would have put down. Sting was kind of, you know, I've seen it with Dad before. We're just kind of wandering around, just holding an item of clothing. We're back from commercial, we get a recap what just happened. We then get an interview with Kip Sabian. And he complains about Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy ruining his wedding. Miro promises Joy that walking Zanuck's little human being orange, but it's different with Charles because he likes him. Tony Schiavone's handed a note, and it's an elementary school, do you like me note, but from the best friends ask for a tag match of revolution. Miro tells him, stop acting like a child and be a man before eating the note, then spitting it at Tony. Our next match is Brandon Cutler versus Jake Hager. We get off the ropes, Cutler with a suicide dive, back in for a tope congilo. Back inside, Springboard caught high angle, twisted spine buster, and Hager is fired up. Off the ropes, Hager wins by pinfall with a lariat. Uh, this was filler match, but it's all about the after. Ortiz Santana Wardlow hit the ring and beat Cutler down. The Young Bucks make the save. Super kick party, but Hager gets away. Matt Jackson gets on the mic and calls Chris Jericho MJF out. They say they don't have to wait until a revolution. Why don't they get the stupid asses out here right now? Judas plays, but Jericho and MJF appeal on the Tron instead, making their entrances. He asks why I waste time when they're just going to beat ass at Revolution for saying they found someone wandering around. And Jericho pulls Papa Buck up and smashes his face into the truck from earlier. Freeman gets his lick in as well. Jericho tells him to call a doctor or come pick up their trash. They do. The Young Bucks pose as the Bucks rush in to find their dad and hunt the Inner Circle boys down. Nick tends to his dad and Matt runs after him, only for the Inner Circle to drive away and send us to the break. This was gruesome. There's a real blade job here and has a real hatred. The Inner Circle came off looking like ourselves and really, really good. We get a video package from Shaq, Cody, mixed tag follows, and then Hangman Alan Page versus Isaiah Cassidy. Cassidy putting it together, but he can't keep Page down. Cross armbar, Hangman gets to the ropes, passes out to the apron, upkick blocks the arm, works though, and a triangle lariat counter with an arm snap over the top rope. Cassidy lines up, springboard into a flip pile driver. He gets caught and reversed, and then Hangman Alan Page wins with the beach break. Uh, Page is so consistent and so easy. As well, post-match, Matt Hardy appears and says he hopes he likes to see the side with the Dark Order over him. But he's going to hunt down every single member of the Dark Order. Hardy drags Alan Angels out to the stage and throws him off it and through the timekeeper's table. Well, the plot thickens here. We then go to a workshop somewhere where Alex Marvez wants to interview Kenny Omega, who's hammering something. Don Callis rolls off saying they're working on something they call Moxley's Elimination Chamber. Omega said he's building it himself so he can take all the credit when he runs Mox off. Well, back from Asia, we get recap of the women's tournament to date. Uh, this is AEW chance to have more than one women's match on the show. But no, they chucked it all on YouTube. I think this is a problem at this moment. They don't treat it important and it won't be taken seriously. But we get Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose in a quarterfinal match. Britt taking a time, but hits a crucifix driver. Lockjaw reapplied, but Nyla fights out of elbows. She gets Baker up, beast bomb but can't keep the Doctor down, hoisting Britt up, ducking a super end, and then winning by pinfall with the Beast Bomb. Uh, my favourite is that. It's a bit of a shock. There's a few missteps, and the ad break hurt the flow, but look what they can do when given a bit of time. And then the commentary I up the tournament special that will air Sunday, and then we get a recap of FTI Jurassic Express Feud, where some big show course is going to be on next week's show, and we go to a break, and then our main event is Lance Archer versus Ray Phoenix in a face of the Revolution qualifier match. This is two completely different styles. Phoenix dives to the outside, lands on the barricade, turned him inside out in the apron. Incredible sprint along the top rope. I mean, incredible. He runs faster along that top rope than most people do on the ground. Ray hit a fan, uh, Spanish fly 
off the top. Uh, unbelievable. Phoenix gets under him. Lance slips out. And Ray fires a few kicks. Chops off the ropes. Pounce by Archer. Buckle bomb. He's got him up for the choke slam. But Phoenix managed to kick out the choke slam. Dragging Ray into the corner. Hosting him up. And then hitting a blackout for the victory in a really, really match. This was perfect casting on both roles. Both could be champs. But there was no crazy ending to Dynamite for a main event. I mean, to be fair, I would have switched to NXT to watch Adam Cole's explanation. And according to that, though, uh, Dynamite still won the ratings war. 831,000 viewers, 34,000 T. We'll move on February 28th, AEW's Women's Show 3. We get six women tag team match to start. Hikura Shida, Mish Segura and Rin Kaduka versus Emi Sakura, Vini and Maki Ito. And um, Tamashi by Shida on Vini for the victory. And then in the Japan bracket final, Yuki Sakazaki versus Ryo Mizunami. After a back and forth match towards the end, Sakazaki went for a finish to the magical Gale Splash. The spring ball fell 450 off the top. But Mizunami moved and hit with Urinagi. Speared by Sakazaki, followed by a clothesline for a near fall. But Mizunami then hit a modified Falcon Arrow for the win in a really good match. This was a quality women's wrestling on show here. Ryo's a lot going for her. The head and arm choke is dangerous. She's uh, quite funny as well. This is going to be really, really good. And the USA bracket semi-final, Thunder Rosa versus Rio. Um, this was a pretty good half-four match. Towards the end, Rosa hit Rio with a hard close on, but Rio kicked out. Rosa screamed in frustration. She then did a throat cut to pick up Rio, but she got rolled up for a near fall. Rosa then got Rio into a pin predicament type of cradle and picked up the win almost out of nowhere. This was a really good match. Two of the best in division. The only problem was it wasn't on Dynamite. And then March 1st, show four, we get Maddie Resconsi defeating Librarian, Leila Bates, where you hit with a book. Leila Hirsch defeating Miranda Ayers for the armbar submission. And the USA bracket final, Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose. And Thunder Rosa actually controlled the majority of Nyla Rose by going after her legs. Towards the end, Rosa was able to hit Nyla with a Death Valley driver, but only got a two count. She then hit Nyla with a stunner and a backdrop suplex for the near fall. Rose went to the top rope, but Nyla caught her and hit her with a beast bomb. One, two, three, and Nyla Rose is the winner. She will face the Japan- Japanese bracket winner, Ryo Mizunami, in the overall tournament final this Wednesday on Dynamite. But why was none of this on Dynamite? An easy way to do more than a division on it. If you really want to be different, have the second show on TNT, all women's show. We haven't had- And then we had a story, Joe Ryan's charity comeback show cancelled after pushback against his involvement. Um... It was meant uh, all proceeds to go to Wrestling for Women's Charity Show. Uh, Joey Ryan was pictured on the poster. Tony Khan said that if Joey Ryan's there, people, my people won't be there. I'm glad he donated to the charity. Uh, and then Fight said, hello, uh, we are the event. Joey Ryan also had a couple of court cases uh, dropped as well. It is not looking good. And then on to the third of March, the go-home show. The crossroads, as it was, of Dynamite. The show opens with the intro video, of course. And then Cody Rose in Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill and Shaquille O'Neal. O'Neal with Rose to start, circling Colin Elbow. Cody with wrist lock, arm ring, and Shaq shoves him to the mat. Austin Gunn hits O'Neill with a chair and he slams him and his brother. Shaq grabs QT Marshall, but referee Bryce Rimberg go to the floor and restore order. Red Moons. And then we see Shaq with a knee and a power bomb. He bends down and talks Cody and he gets hit in the face. Rose scoops him and slams him down. Shaq manages to kick out and he runs away and tags out. Then a bit later, a cactus crossbody sends Shaq crashing into the tables at ringside. I mean, shit me. Fair play to Shaq for taking that bump. And Jake said about partner Velvet lying in wait. A spear can't keep her down. She gets up on her shoulder. Jade reverses. Red slips out. Double chicken wing. But then a glam slam for Velvet gets the job done. You could see every spot had been reversed in a particular seat. But so what? You know, that's the whole point of it. It took too long setting up the tables. But for celebrity matches, Shaq was slow. But God, wonder what it would have been versus like the big show five years ago. And I mean, that bump on the table, credit to him. I think Red and Jay can be a highlight in the AEW women's division as well, but the right team won. Then we go to a break. And back for commercial, we get a recap of what we've just seen as Shaq stretched to the ambulance. Tony Trevon is standing by uh, the ambulance. He opens the door to feel like Shaq. We then get Death Triangle, Pack and Ray Phoenix versus D3 and John Skyler. John Skyler's to start. Jeff Triangle makes short work of him. 
Clear D3 off the apron, 450 splash checks up to Phoenix Driver, and of course an easy victory. This is all about how strong Pac and Phoenix are. The inner circle comprising tonight of Jericho, MJF, Wardlow, Ortiz, Santana make their entrance, and we go to a break, and back we get a press release. It's actually a Q&A, and we can't leave the first person to ask the question. Jericho answers by talking about the tag titles meaning to him, a reminder tag champ with the names ranging from Dwayne Johnson to Paul White, and now it's time for them to beat the hell out of the Young Bucks just like they did their stupid father. Next question is Conrad Thompson, and he asks the odds of letting Sammy Guerrero back in the inner circle. MJF calls him turkey tits, and Jericho screams at him. Oh, superkick party. Brandon Cutler joins the fray. Referees and road agents come down to break it up. The good brothers are here with a table to hold all tees down while Nick Jackson climbs the entry, sent on off the entry and through a table. Matt also dives on Santana from a stage. We get another table bump. Uh, proud and powerful use is kind of cannon fodder. This is uh, too long to show them as arseholes and the Bucks are angry. Uh, we get a video package high up the exploding bar by a death match. And we see uh, Atushi Anita himself. FCR make the entrance accompanied by JJ Dillon to send us to a break. And it's FTR Cash Wheeler and Dax Harbour Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus and Marco Stump. Blanchard hits a slingshot suplex on Stunt. Um... Express hits, but they're confused about who's legal and it's only near full. Perry dives and wipes out the crew members. Luchasaurus goes after Dax and the crew guy hits him with a camera. They lift the dino up, spike power driver, Tally tags in. And FTR win by pinfall with lateral press from Tory Blanchard. But who was the mystery man? Uh, well, let's get into it, though. The FTR history buffs. This was a really good match, first and foremost, let me say. The way it was put together, the act- action was really, really good. I was surprised this actually wasn't on a pay-per-view. Yeah, the FTR history buffs coming out with a tag team title of one by the Horseman and Knight. Wyndham turned on Luger and the old US title as well. But the, the crew member getting involved uh, was Sean Spears. The five of them put their hands in. Now an answer appears, scratching his beard. He fr- throws the four fingers up and JJ gives a thumb up. I mean, Spears is a great talent and this can be really, really good for him. And then Tony Schiavone appears on the stage. He briefly asks, what's up with Spears for introducing the man? He's interviewing Paul White. No more BS shirt, and he's incredibly happy to be here at AEW, and he returned to TNT after years away and announced that elevation with Tony. He's got the biggest scoop ever for us, and that this Sunday, AEW is going to put a Hall of Fame-worthy talent under contract and a huge surprise and a huge asset. It's not who we think, but he wants us to know he knew it first. Well, thoughts White did look happy, and who could it be? Who could the mystery man be? What Hall of Fame talent would it be? Merit to be. Well, we get a recap of the women's eliminator, and it's Nyla Rose versus Rio Muzanami in the final for the number one contenders of the AEW Women's World Title. Rio got good entrance music as well, really underrated. We see Rose with more larynx off the run. Nyla catches her Death Valley driver, can't keep her down, hanging Rio over the ropes, diving knee across the back of her neck. But Muzanami with an exploded suplex, she goes up top. Nyla recovers and cuts her off, climbing to join her, jockeying for position, superplex. Rhea hits a German suplex, she's fired up, charged in a spear, dragging her into position, heading up top, and then Rio Mizunami wins by pinfall after a diving leg drop to become the number one contender to the AW Women Wells Championship. This was a great match in a tournament full of them. This was an upset, but this was about building Rio. And then post-match, Shida come, enters the ring to present Rio with a trophy and offers a handshake, and Mizunami pulls her from the forearm. She wants a brawl when Shida obliges. Rio gets knocked down, and Ikura holds the belt up to send us to a break. This has been a good tournament. The Japanese side lit the way, and I'm looking forward to the match at the pay-per-view. And back from commercial, Tony Schiavone introduces Sting for an interview. He says two weeks ago he thought he was ready and found out the hard way he wasn't ready when Brian Cage powerbombed, but he thanks him shaking off the excess rust like he's ready for a street fight. And at Ricky Starks, he tells Sting to pump the brakes and not to worry because he's here on his own accord. Every week they've been going back and forth and he's man enough to admit that he saw a fire. He hadn't been in a while for Sting. He's also man enough to admit that Sting still got it. But he stands behind what he said and Sting is no icon. He slaps Sting and Sting's knocks him with a punch to the gut and knocks him out with his shoes. Off the ropes, big lariat. Sting follows up with a stinger splash. Double leg, step through, scorpion deathlock. Stark taps up and Hook come in. Hook tries to choke Sting out. He blocks. Brian Cage and Taz come down. Cage wants another power bomb, but Darby Allen makes a save. Sleep hold the machine shakes him off, but Sting hits another Stinger splash. Darby off the top, missile drop group, and Team Taz scatters as we go to a break. Well, Stark out of his tops and his shoes. Cage trousers came down as well. 
But we are nearly there for the match. And back from commercial, the usual freestyle during his entrance. And minus one has to be held back from fighting him. And then Max Caster versus Preston 10 Vance. Vance with a big spine buster, slingshot, spear. Nope. Caster lays him out off the top with an elbow drop, but nobody's home. Jack Evans runs in with Max's boombox, cheap shop. And then Max Caster wins. To qualify for the face of a revolution, Atlanta match, poor, minus one, but not a bad. Post-match, Matt Hardy gives Evans a check for $4,200. Company hypes up the buy-in, and we get a throw. Chuck's Chuck Taylor out, so he's got another option. But to give the people what they want, destruction. Come Sunday, he's going to stop playing games. And then hang around on the page, John Silver versus Mark Quinn and Matt Hardy. Matt didn't need to go anywhere. Mark off the top, missile dropkick, kick cuts him off, tag to page. Round elbow and skewery pop-up powerbomb. Silverware German suplex buckshot. Hangman shoots a deliberate look at Hardy before covering Mark Quinn for the victory. This is what we want. John is brilliant and Paige is so good. I'm with him 100%. And Matt is finally in AEW. And then post-match, Hardy attacks and beats Paige down with a microphone. Telling him this was a setup to beat him so he can end his undefeated streak on Sunday. Dark Order make the save and put boots to Hardy. The hills in the tag team battle all come down to brawl. The Bay Face is right after they fill the ring with meat. Death Triangle come out last. We're out of time. And this was a good episode of Dynamite. But again, another interesting main event. Well, Dynamite again won out in the ratings. We're in 934,000 compared to 692,000 viewers. Uh, it was increased about 103,000 for AEW as well, uh, which is incredible. Probably this is the first time Dynamite surpassed 900,000 total views in 2021. And maybe the uh, Sha- uh, Shaquille O'Neal match had something to do with it. And then the 7th of March... AEW shouldn't of course now if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to do it in order then stop this one right here go listen to AEW Revolution like we did with the ultimate one and then listen to us right now so there you go right pause this one right now excellent and now welcome back I hope you enjoyed Revolution uh, and then let's carry on now because we've got the uh, Revolution fallout it's the 10th of March it's Dynamite we start with Matt Jackson versus Ray Phoenix show up with the intro video and Phoenix span out the ropes missed a kick but got hit with a super kick, nipped up and kicked him. Back to the feet, trading kick, stereo super kicks, clash. Matt gets him up with a tombstone, but Phoenix reverses and then hits a Phoenix driver for the victory in a, a great match. We then get rid of from Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. Eddie said he's got the explanation we wanted. When he saw the countdown and the flashes, he had a flashback to the worst anxiety when he was under arrest and about to be taken off to Sing Sing and he blacked out. Go ahead, call him a coward. He's not talked to you, he's talked to... That know where he's coming from. Kelly Mega thinks this is a game. He didn't scar his hand playing video games. You think you're the Joker? You think you're money funny? Mox said he thinks Kelly was really trying to blow him up and they come to the conclusion that Impact paid for the bomb. John asked if the box said Acme and said if he had high school sign projects that were more explosive. And all he got was his goofy t-shirt. He didn't win a title but he did get his drinking buddy back. They bicker all friendly about whether or not Kingston could come out and help him sooner. And Mox tells Omega he just made a big mistake. He was bringing a weapon he needs to be ready to use it. And on that one promo fixed everything. You should never doubt Eddie Kingston. No, we go to a break. Back Cody Rose versus Seth Car- Gargis. This is a squash. Uh, he won with a figure four leg lock. Post-match, Tony Fioni interviews Cody about his injured shoulder once they find a mic. And that works. Before Rose can really answer, Penta Elzello gets up from the Spanish competition desk and calls him out. He tells Cody to shut up and ask Alex Marvez to translate, saying that he's a thousand times better than Cody. And if Cody is a prince, then he is a lord of Lucha Libre. Penta switches to English and laughs at Rose, calling him the American Nightmare. He reminds Cody that he lost at Revolution. If he was just the two of them, we'd lost more than the match. Marvaz translates again and tells Rose that if he's lucky, Penta didn't focus on his arm more because if he did, he wouldn't be able to pick up his newborn baby. And with that, Cody had enough and he jumps the guardrail to attack Penta. Locker room empties, putting them apart. Um, Cody always has a story. We can see it here, how important he is to it. We cut to Chat Taylor with Orange Cassidy in the arcade. Um, he says, many wrongs Miro's done to them and asked for one more match. And if they lose, he'll give him what he wants. And he'll be his butler for good. But Cassidy came up with a great stipulation. Arcade machines at ringside so they can put Miro and Kip Sabin's head through all of them one by one. I, could, I think you could say that would be an amusing match. Back for commercial, Tony Schiavone introduces Sting for an interview. He starts by putting Darby Allen over as a dangerous man who takes risks and soon gets interrupted. Lance Archer, Jake, the Snake Roberts come out with Lance saying if they're not given time, he's going to take it. If he doesn't start getting the opportunity he deserves, he's going to take more than time. Tony tells him that it's Sting's time and he mocks apologises before taking his leave. No way. No way are they putting Archer with Sting. He'll kill him. 
Uh, QT Marshall and Lee Johnson interview backstage. QT admits he's only human, and he'll deal with a fallout losing his temper in a tag team battle royal. But for right now, it's Lee Johnson's time. All ego, even Page gets an inset promo, but it's hard to tell what he's saying because he all... This seems to be standard introductory, I'm Ethan Page, and I'm here for my spotlight type shit. All ego, even Page versus Lee Johnson. Lee comes up lame on one leg. Um, and then the Tan Sheamus connects and referee Brian Remsburg warns Page for tackle when he was checking on Johnson. Then he gets him up and hits the Ego's edge for the victory. Uh, post-match, putting the boots to Johnson, QT Marshall makes no move to intervene, but Dustin Rose makes it. Uh, I like Cody, but I'm not sure if the Nightmare family is ready for me. Uh, Page looks okay, but there's a plethora of talent on the roster. We get an interview with Adam Page where he rolls up a fancy riding lawnmower, talks about the cool stuff he's bought with Matt Hardy's money, although he gave most of it to the education fund. The Dark Order roll up, John Silver after they've room for more, and Page lets them all on except for Alan Five Angels because there's a weight limit. Uh, Hangman and the Dark Order drive off for ice cream as we go to a break. Absolutely brilliant. The question of is Alan Page for the Dark Order I think has been answered now. Well, back for commercial, Tony Schiavone is ready to interview Christian Cage, except he's interrupted by Kenny Omega's dancers in his whole entrance. Don Callis and the Good Brothers join him in the ring. Callis gets on the mic and says, we're not going to get here from Christian because four of them call the shots around here. So they're taking their time for themselves. He puts Kenny over as the greatest wrestler to ever live and also the king of the death match. Omega makes his blade in and they bring up the explosion. They talk a lot of the heat in the last few days, blame for us not getting the giant explosion we thought we wanted and neither of us going to confirm or deny that it had anything to do with that. But it does make them happy to take away from us regardless. Tony Khan likes to make great memories. Kenny Omega and Invisible Hand take away great moments. They win because Moxie and Kingston look like idiots. They walk away with their titles and do what they always do, win. Omega takes over and says Eddie's turn was a cherry on top to him, cover Moxley and dry hump him in the middle of the ring while the sparklers went off and that's him forget. I mean, yeah, let's all laugh at the idiots who what they're paid for. Just don't announce the fucking ring will explode and it'll be all right. Enter Andy Kingston. Don starts talking about how he fought in a war for Impact, but why did he have to fire him? He did the same thing at Impact working for Callis that he did to his entire life. He found a way to screw success up before it happened. He did it again at Revolution. Because he likes Eddie and they have history, he's going to give him 10 seconds to get him out of here with his pride intact before these guys kick his ass. A countdown plays much like at Revolution, and Kenny frankly begs Callis to 69 him. So take the piss out the fans and gay jokes. AW, I thought you were better than this. And have a good laugh while Kingston fumes. Omega asks Kingston who he's hoping to accomplish and offers him a free shot at champion. King drops him. The good brothers jump in and John Moxley makes the save. And at last, here comes Christian's cage. Omega alone in the ring. Christian stares him down advanced and they stare at each other and Kenny runs his mouth for off in a handshake. Cage scoffs and then Kenny tries a cheap shot but Christian has him for the unprettier. Don Callis pulls Kenny out of the ring before it hits and then up the AEW World Championship and considers it. So Christian's first job in AEW is to job to Omega. Well we go to a break. The next match Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Makito, Nala Rose for Sakura Shida. Rio Mizunami and Thunder Rosa. The Babyface team attacks when Makito is still singing the Richard song. She finishes the whole thing while her partners get beaten down and then spikes the microphone into Shida's dome. Absolutely love it. Ito really was a standout in the women's division as well. Back from commercial, the Babyfaces have turned the tide and are running roughshod over Baker. The match breaks down into everybody do Rosa climbing Britt in the corner, dumping it to the floor, headed to the top. Ito Rinello off the top and to the floor. Ito Ligo. Legal, Tornado DT connects, Rebel up on the apron with a crutch, Thunder intercepts, Maki off the ropes, Rosa catches her and hits the Emerald Flosion for the victory. A post-match Baker attacks Rosa and puts her in a lockjaw. This feud is heating up. And then Matt Hardy and Private Party are hanging out of a bar somewhere. Hardy's been reflecting and need to bring more money in. What Alan Page did was criminal, like some kind of bizarre Robin Hood. And sure, he stole a safe, but he's got more than enough money to stay in a business through April 1st. So he had a new unit, signed a big money deal, and he brings them out. Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. And they're going to help him make the Dark Order pay as we go to a break. And then when we get back, Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW TNT Championship. Allen wrenches the fingers trying to block out, but Scorpio German suplex him into the turnbuckles. Sending Sky to the floor, Darby runs the rope. Suicide dive counter to an ace crusher. Back inside, Allen kicks out. The cravat knees, cross leg brain buster, no good. Sky with a powerbomb as a counter, but he can't do the deal. Farmers carry Tiko reversed, and the inside cradle gets the victory for Darby Allen and post match. Frustrated Scorpio Sky looks at heel hook and tries to cripple Allen. Referees pull him off and he looks at his hands, a grin spinning across his face. So Sky being his heel tendencies. This is a good match, a couple of sick counters. Um, and then comes up next week's card entitled St. Patrick's Day Slam. 
And then back for commercial, we get the inner circle making their entrance. Or oh, Chris Jericho and MGF all smiles and flanked by Artista, Tano and Hager. Jericho says, when a great army needs to change their course, they have a walkout or some of the best way to carry on. The inner circle have been declined, but it's easy remedied because they're the smartest in the business today. So it's time for a new attitude, a new outlook, and maybe even a new member. MGF pipes up and says that with all due respect, he doesn't think they need a new member. And if he's being honest, he thinks it's time to let somebody go. Enter Sammy Guevara. Jericho asks what he's doing and Sammy says he knows he's the last person he wants to see and he's not happy. But he needs to show him something. Chris says he's got a lack of guts and he's meant it. And he said he's dead to him. But Guevara begs off and says he just wants Jericho to look at the screen. Everybody has Sammy placing the camera into the inner circle's dressing room follows. And then Jeff rolls up an Ortiz sent out to say it's time for the inner circle to have a new leadership. And it's time to cut the head off the snake and get rid of Jericho. They fist bump on it and Friedman leaves. Back in the ring, Matt said he didn't want Jericho to find out this way. But oh well, he calls for PMP and Jake to attack Jericho. They slow to advance because he's got his back. But they turn on MJF instead. This was brilliant. At this point, I popped for that. Then Max begs off. Jericho tells him to shut up. So he really thinks they don't talk to each other every day. They're waiting for him to hang himself. And since he was the one to bring him, he's going to be the one. And he shoves Freeman into the turnbuckles. On behalf of Chris Jericho, the inner circle, his ass is fired. And on top of that, they're going to give him an old school inner circle beatdown. We then get a beatdown chant. And then MJF begs off frankly, swearing to God, he don't want to take over the inner circle because he's too busy building his own. The lights go down and when they come up, Wardlow, FTR and Sean Spears are behind the inner circle. Dax Harwood glasses Hager and they beat the inner circle down. They handcuff Ortiz and Santana. Jericho pulls him off the turn, top turnbuckle into a vicious knee strike. Stereo spike pile dry, drivers from M- FTR on Ortiz and Santana. They pull Jericho up. MGF decks him with a diamond ring. Jericho is bleeding from the forehead. Crawls away, but MJF steps in his hand and Tully Blanchard hands him Floyd. Jericho drags himself up and eats a bat shot to the ribs and then one to the face, knocks him through the floor and onto the stage. They drag Jericho's carcass across the stage. Wardlow clutches him, release power from the stage through the tables, and Maxwell, Jacob Freeman, and the boys stand tall on the stage. Wow, what a moment. Out of all the moments on Dynamite at this point, this is the kind of one that really made me sit up and take notice. This got me excited. MGF was brilliant. I hope this elevates Spears. It's great to see the FTR doing something. Inner Circle are now faces. And what about a War Games match? We talk about a Blood and Guts match. We've now got it with these two teams, five on five. I mean, AW may be points, but they do deliver when it comes to it. And yes, the pay fuel was a bit frustrating. Yes, they're kind of laughing at us a little bit. But the kind of the story that they've got back of them now, when we look about where they're going for maybe double or nothing at the end of May, it is really, really interesting. So good stuff overall for AEW. But up next, we're going to move on to Impact. So everybody brace for Impact. Let's go on with a fallout from No Surrender, February 16th. The Impact theme is the only one I remember... Because uh, I, I don't know why, out of all the other ones, I don't know if it's just so generic, but the Impact one, like, we own the night, double, double, giants, double, but I mean, I don't know the words, but it's catchy. Uh, first match, TJP versus Josh Alexander, X Division title. Of course, Alexander got this opportunity by winning at no surrender. TJP caught Alexander with the man, but splash. What a match. This was paid for your qualities, technical at its best. Uh, I was a bit surprised it wasn't billed, uh, more build to this match, but this is the first, hopefully, of many. And then Dreamer challenges Moose later tonight. Myers pays Hernandez, same deal, of course, as before. And Big Mex is facing Cardona for him. We then get a fatal four way match Trey Miguel versus Suicide versus Willie Mack versus Davari. And with Mack and Davari out of the picture, delivered a meteor to Suicide for the win as Miguel. And after the match, Sammy Callahan approached Miguel backstage and called into question his passion and ability to win the big one. Unfazed by an attempt to goad him into the rational fight, Miguel smiled and walked away. This was good stuff. There's big things for Miguel. Backstage, Demore made a six-man tag for next week. The win team would face in a number one contender. All this for Ace Austin. And Katana beat Hernandez with radio silence. Jim Miller interviewed Matt Cardona after the match, but Brian Myers came in to ruin the fun, asking why his former friend was copying him. Cardona was blindsided by Hernandez, but was saved by Eddie Edwards. Uh, Thoughts on this, Myers versus Cardona will be great. Not a bad match, Matt looks motivated, and he's quite a good story. When Pat Wrestling was interrupted by another paid advertisement for AEW President Tony Khan and Tony Chiavone, Khan said he didn't get anything for Valentine's Day, but he was here to give Impact Wrestling what they always wanted, money. In fact, this was considered a charitable donation. He is a forbidden door. 
New Japan Pro Wrestling Finjuice invaded the Impact Zone Tuesday night. As David Finley and Juice Robson made the in-ring debut against Reno Scum's Luster, the legend, and Alan Forstow. Newcomers started hot, cut an authentic pace as they caught the opposition off guard for Russell by Luster, Flat and Finley. Now the veteran Hill tagged them to seize control. Finally made a hot tag to Robinson, who exploded into the match and joined Finley for a homage to power and glory with a suplex frog splash combo to Fawnstow for the win. The Good Brothers came out after the match. Congratulations, the boys, for making it into a new territory. The Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions ran down their glory days with young guys like Finley and Juice because they luggage the new guys didn't back down and took up the champs on their offer to go drinking. And all that, they were immediately confronted by the Good Brothers and entered into total contention and it helped make them feel like an enormous deal. Fans who were not familiar with them prior to the match, Robson and Finley are now a threat to find Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Of course, a little backstory on Finn Juice. Juice, of course, left W in NXT. He wasn't happy. He wanted to go elsewhere. And Finn is Finley's son. Of course, not Hornswoggle. And in the bar storm, glasses were hit. As you do, they go to Swingers Palace. This was awful. And earlier, Tanil disrespected Nevaeh after wanting to be Havoc's partner. Caleb with a K with net brace. Um, Caleb with net brace, not as catchy as Caleb with a K, I guess. Uh, Nevaeh is a professional downward spiral. Dasha is so more aggressive, looked best that I've seen her in Impact. She's used every week, though, no matter what her position is. And then we get a Violent by Design promo, and the tables match is set in the main event. Moose uses Power and Frosty to take control of the bout. He beat Dreamer down, and then insulted him, fat piece of trash. Tommy responded with a low blow with chair shots at a rival rolling late. Moose halted the momentum, delivered an STO and a steel chair. Dreamer summoned the last burst of energy and drove his opponent through a table. He unloaded the kendo stick shot, but Moose caught him and delivered with a nuggy. The spear followed, and Moose earned a hard fought victory. Moose is a man. He destroyed Tommy. It really enjoyed Beth. actually wanting you, uh, leaving you wanting more. It went really, really quick as well. And we go into the February 26th edition, right into the action. A tables match. It's Gina, uh, Dina versus Jake something. The drop toe hold by Dina on a table in the corner uh, was really innovative, plus the slingshot in the corner as well. Jake was beaten up for the majority, but recovered and caught a charge of Dina on a back hold slam, driving through the table after the win. And then after the match, Moose exploded from out of nowhere and drove the victor through the table with uh, chair and warned that if he does not get an Impact World Championship match against Rich Swan, there will not be a show tonight. Moose continued to take up the television time following the break, demanding his world title. Impact Executive Vice President Scott Demore emerged from the locker room and said after watching Moose tote around the TNA World Championship for the last year, he's officially recognising the title. As such, Moose will now defend his championship against a vengeful Jake something later tonight in the main event. Something seed as referees held him back at the top of the stage. And thoughts, it is now a world championship then. And then, of course, the six-man tag team match, Bay, uh, Ace Austin, Black Toulouse uh, versus uh, Mac, Miguel and Alexander. Bay benefit from killing into the art of finesse for the pinfall victory on Mac. And of course, as a result of that, Bay, Austin and Toulouse will meet next week to summon a number contender to TJP's title. This was a great uh, match and the face team looked super strong on paper, and Trey Miguel left furious around into Sammy Callahan. The draw of impact told Miguel he didn't have what it took. In fact, Callahan felt that Miguel was about to fake on Impact Wrestling once again. Miguel was a weak link in his team, and Trey couldn't take it anymore and let all his frustrations out on Callahan. And Decay Roseby said, Utter domination is coming. And then AEW President Tony Khan was accompanied by not just Tony Schiavone, but many of the AEW wrestlers, Zia Cassidy, Britt Baker, Rebel. Uh, team Taz, Matt Hardy and Ryan Emma circling Joe while promoting the matches for Dynamite. Everyone dissed Impact, including Brian Cage, a former Impact World Champion. And with this, pro wrestling veteran Tommy Dreamer took to Twitter this week and called out AEW President and CEO Tony Khan. He said, Promo Lesson 101, build the person you're talking about up. If you win or lose, you're beaten or lost to someone special. What more than half your staff worked in Impact Wrestling? Don't shut on a place that helped them because you're basically shitting on yourself. And of course, Khan has not responded to the tweet. Back to the show, and Navai was upset herself for failing to defeat Tanil last week. Havoc wasn't worried about it. I want to stay together as a team. Still, Navai stormed off. Tanil with Caleb with K walked in, trying to still Havoc as a tag partner. The KG Queen quickly turned them down, of course. And then Triple XL versus the Good Brothers. We had the most unhealthy-looking wrestlers in action against the main event players. AC was breezing and heavy, even on the apron. This was a kind of prolonged spot, uh, squash. Magic Killer job done. It was a kind of nothing match. Saban and Storm stood at swingers. Then we had Rohit and Storm uh, somehow booked from that. And then the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions ran into David Finley and Juice Robinson backstage. Finn Juice claimed that the match against Triple XL took a little bit longer than it should have. They'll say they know how good the Good Brothers are. They're the best tag team 
at professional wrestling while hungover. Carl Anderson said he wasn't, while Doc admitted he may have been. This is funny and smart. This is how he done. And then Brian Myers was supposed to face Eddie Edwards, but Myers claimed to be unfit to compete. Mark Sterling claimed that Myers suffered irreversible damage to his left eye. Luckily for Edward, Myers had a replacement in mind. Of course, it was Hernandez who took his place and got hit with a Boston Knees party. Um, fortunately, yes, he might have lost, but Hernandez doesn't actually look too bad. Backstage, Brian Myers was confronted by both Matt Cardona and Scott Demore. who said that Myers would face Eddie Edwards next week on Impact. The special guest referee, Matt Cardona. Not only that, it would be a match. Uh, Thoughts on this? They are getting behind Myers. I can actually see the potential here as well. And then number one contendership match from Knockouts Tag. Uh, Jazz and uh, Grace versus Susan and Kimberly. This wasn't a terrible match. Uh, Grace drive at Fuller Wimby as you see Fire and Flavor match up with them. They then found ODB unconscious. Uh, backstage and in the main event the TNA world title on the line Jake something versus Moose or something would put up a bit of offense before Moose towed him inside out with a spear for the win after the match Moose attacked something with a chair before Rich Swan hit the ring to make the save security filled up the square circle for Scott Demore appeared and announced a long-awaited title match between Swan and Moose for March 13th at Sacrifice on Impact Plus yes that huge main event and as you listen to us right now, it is happening tonight, and of course, we will bring you the action on Tuesday. Come out and have a view. Of course, we'll be joined by the Chokeslam report there. But we move on with Impact after we've heard about the match we've been waiting for. Uh, it's the X Division Triple Threat match. It's Bay versus Austin versus Toulouse. All three competitors exchange strikes until Austin and Bay deposit Toulouse to the floor. From there, Mab and Fulton trip Bay up, and Austin delivered a fold for the win. This was a really nicely worked match. But why not just give Austin the number one contendership after the Super X Cup? I don't know. Jazz and Grace, the number one contenders, Fire and Flavor show up, and they get reminded the only team they haven't beaten. Also, that should be added to the main event. It would be a triple threat match now. And then Mars tried to use his friendship with Cardona, but he wants to be a professional and wants it to call it down the middle. And then Tanil Dashwood with Caleb with a cave versus Havoc. Uh, Caleb distra- uh, distracted Havoc long enough to give Dashwood the time to avoid a leg drop. The spotlight kick connected, knocking Havoc out cold. And this is sort of when Dashwood needs a fairly dominant victory against a credible opponent. And after the match, Nevaya attacked Caleb, dropping him with a step over DDT before checking on Havoc. Dashwood, true to a character, retrieved her phone and took selfies around the ringside area. Looks like these four are headed to sacrifice. And then uh, we see Sammy Callahan sending footage of himself at the Skull and, Boys, Skull and Bones Academy, train Miguel's wrestling school. He found some awards posters and more in Miguel's office, including the drawing of the Rascals. Callahan said that the Rascals ditched Trey Miguel because he was a loser. Well, Conrad Kennedy was training students when they were interrupted by Callahan. The Callahan death machine laid them all out, sent a message to the passionless Trey. However, Callahan brought one of the Trey students with him, whom Callahan didn't want to attack. Did he find a new disciple? And a possible Judas for Trey? I mean, this was good shit. And then more stuff at Swinger's Place before TJP, Bay and Ace. And then Eric Young was dressing down Dina for failing to put his former tag team partner down for good. Dina vowed to face the consequences should he be unsuccessful. Young promised to hold him down, uh, hold him to that and he didn't want the disease to return. I know that you know that this is, has to happen. Young handed off Dina to Joe Doring, who placed a hand on Dean's shoulder for violently assaulting him. Dina was pulled to his feet by Young, who said he only did this because he cared. And then Tony Khan's latest paid ad on Impact, the AW present name in Impact, and NJPW is one of us, and that is us again. Khan said that while they had the differences, AW, NJPW, and Impact are together against them. He added that while Impact was once a leader in the wrestling industry, this isn't the case anymore. Now he's the captain, and the forbidden door passes through him. Moose is ready for Swan. He's the world champion. Mr. Impact Wrestling. And at sex sacrifice, he fulfills his destiny. Then the eight-man tag team match, Good Brothers and Finn Juice versus Triple XL and Reno Scum. A bicker between Finn Juice and the Good Brothers allowed AC Romero to drop Finley and work him over in the hills corner. Finley tries suplex to Alex Fawnson, creating separation and tagging Gallows into the match. The big LG explodes into the match and set Fawnson up for the Magic Killer. After some infighting and a close call, the Impact Tag Team Champions put Fawnson away with their finisher for the win. This was um, not a bad match. Um, not a fan of Triple XL, so seeing squashed is quite fun. Uh, we need to make the Finn Juice versus Good Brothers match already. This didn't say anything we didn't know. Striker said Gallows was biggest in the match. Uh, what about Ace Romero? Uh, a pre-take promo from Swan about his title defence against Moose Ed. And then the uh, Tag Team Champions were arguing with uh, Finn Juice after the match. 
laid it all on the line, challenging him, setting up a match for Sacrifice. Yes. And then Brian Myers versus Eddie Edwards, who will call special guest referee Matt Cardona. I like this storyline. Myers loaded up his over pad and delivered a roaster cut clothesline, all right in front of his former best friend and referee. Cardona now a call for the bell and disqualification, leaving Myers dismayed. Um, thoughts on this? This is brilliant. And, and Matt Stryker says, hey, Matt mid-Cardona. I'd never actually thought of that, but it does make perfect sense. But in all seriousness, this was about Myers versus Edwards and more about the telling of the story of Myers and Cardona's broken friendship. Uh, once lifelong friends and championship winning partners, they are at a professional crossroads. And then the main event, Perazzo versus Grace versus Hogan. And the action continued fast and furiously down the stretch until Perazzo scored a roll-up on Grace for the win. After the match, Grace chased stills up the ramp and brawled with her, taking exceptional involvement in the closing moments. As the Verterosa stood tall, ODB hit the ring, levering Perazzo and standing tall to put uh, a hold up the champ. We move on to March 9th and before the impact. And John Burton will be BTI's host. Uh, of course, I've seen him before. He's a News Channel 5 anchor. And he's joined by GM Miller and Josh Matthews. And this is available again on the Imp Talk. But they had a groundbreaking announcement on Impact coming up. We see Saban and Storm interviewed. Storm is piss. But hits, and, uh, hits back. Fulton and Ace talk about steps. Step one, hurt TJP. Step two, Ace becomes champ. It is inevitable. Uh, TJP with his uh, la-di-da attitude. And then Havoc and Navaya uh, getting the band back together. Sammy is actually growing me, Callahan. I quite like the gimmick, once you understand it. And then Dino Brown discusses with Matthews about Swan and Moon. Match is TJP versus Fulton. Fulton controlled the match. You know, he caught TJP mid-flight and delivered a reverse powerbomb, but could only keep his opponent down for two. TJP recovered and delivered a Mamba splash to earn a relative upset victory. After the match, Austin attacked TJP, leaving the champion line and sent the message ahead of the battle Saturday at Sacrifice. And Ace needs to beat TJP. It's not a bad match. We get highlights from last, white, uh, last week's Impact show as we begin the show properly. Uh, and, of course, it's Tasha Stills versus Jazz to start us off. And after several moments of domination by Stills, Jazz made a comeback, welcoming her opponent with punishing clothesline. She dodged a pump kick and down Stills with a set slam. Grace brought Kira Hogan off the apron and Jazz applied the STF to score the hard-fought win. This is not a bad way to start. Jazz still looks dangerous. We then get a Rich Swan and Moose video package. Aired on both men hyping up the match come on Sunday. And then James Storm and Chris Saban versus Rahit Raju and Marabelli Shearer. And Shearer and Raju bickered in the middle of the ring. Saban dropped Raju into his pocket and flattened the big man at ringside. Back inside, Storm delivered a backstabber to Raju. Saban finished with a cradle stock for the impressive win. Uh, this wasn't a bad match. And after Rahit got in uh, Shearer's face and was made to pay there as well. And then we see Impact 4, Resident Enhancement Guys, Lust of Legend, Adam Forster, Ace Romero and Larry D. Wall, Bickman backstage. Rosemary, Crazy Steve and Black Toulouse showed up. Rosemary talked to all four men for losing to the K in recent weeks. Rosemary joked about Ace making it afraid to hit women. Ace told Larry that they should go and Triple XL and walking off. Adam Forster and Lust of the Legend then started talking to K in their fake tough guy voices. Rosemary proposed to Decay versus Reno Scum match for Sacrifice. Reno Scum accepted the challenge while still taking in Oscar the Grouch accents. After Reno Scum left, Crazy Steve called Scum and Triple XL a couple of freaks. The show then cuts to Eric Young, Joe Doring and Dina backstage. Dina walked out of the room looking like he hadn't been getting sleep and looking beaten. Um, went through that ancient Chinese warrior train that Bowen's E&I went through. Uh, Young said he thought Dina would get through this and it's only happened because Dina failed. Jung said all the healing must be done you through violence and violence is the only thing the disease understands. James Storm and Chris Saban showed up to confront Eric Young. Storm said that Young is doing Dina wrong. Storm talked about how it feels bad when you work hard to get where you are in life and someone snatches that away from you. Storm said Young should know exactly what it feels like and Young is making Dina feel the same. Dina yelled, which led to Violent by Design beating down Storm and Saban. Young yelled that Storm and Saban should stay out of their business and Young led Dina and Doring away. We then had Brian Myers meet with Scott Demore backstage. Myers said Impact can avoid a lawsuit if they just fire Eddie Edwards. Demore said he learned in court that the person who spends the most time arguing is usually the person with the weakest case. Demore said Impact has been to go to court with Myers because that's kind of what we do. But Demore also brought up that Myers' real beef was with Eddie. Demore booked Brian Myers versus Eddie Edwards in a hold harmless match. Myers was excited and said he thought that hold harmless meant that it would be a submission match. Demore then told Myers that hold harmless actually means no DQ. Demore said that Myers and Eddie can use all the weapons they want. They can even kill each other too. Myers shrugged his shoulders and walked away. 
This is good. Hopefully, Mars gets a big victory at Sacrifice as well. Then we see Trey Miguel making his entrance. Sammy Callahan then stood on the stage and introduced his new protege, Sam Bill, who's a student at Trey Miguel's school. Sam Bill came out to very generic music. Strikers that Sammy Callahan is preying on a young kid with a dream will also groom the kids for all the wrong reasons. And then, uh, of course, we get on to the match. Trey yelled at Sammy from a distance, which allowed Sam to now Trey with an orange forearm. Trey quickly came back with a drop kick. Trey hit Sam with a leg trap suplex and converted it into his modified Kimura for the win. Or oh, Sammy mockingly clapped Trey from the stage. Trey was about to approach Sammy, but Sammy threatened to push a button on his smartphone. Right when Trey was about to grab Sam, the button which caused him to teleport into the ring through the power of his hacker magic, I guess. Sammy then hit Bill with a package bar driver. Trey ran back to the ring, but Sammy used his hacker magic to teleport away. It's hard, realistic story, now using stunts, and no, it's not Marco. Uh, Chris Saban and James Storm cut a promo backstage. Saban says he's sick to see what Eric Young has become after all these years. Storm said the only way to kill the snake is to cut the head off. Storm said he's willing to go through Young's followers in order to get to the head of the Storm challenged Violet by design to a match at Sacrifice. He said they aren't coming to stay the signature catchphrases. They aren't there that we're coming to whoop ass. Jake, something showed up and offered to be in Storm Saban's corner in order to make sure Eric Young doesn't interfere. Then it was time for this week's um, AEW paid advertisement. Uh, the Forbidden Door, Tony Khan, of course, Tony Schiavone noted that AEW Revolution had a good buy rate. Khan then ran through the results of the Revolution show. Schiavone uh, ran through the Dynamite card. Uh, he shouldn't have been that smug. Uh, Scott Demore was moderating a contract signing between the Good Brothers and Finjuice for Gallows and Lanson upcoming total defence. At Sacrifice, Demore ended up leaving them because he wanted to spend time drinking bourbon shots. Gallows ended up shilling the Good Brothers merch site. After a few whiskey shots, both teams ended up signly. Signing Finley and Juice end up throwing some shots at the Good Brothers' faces. This led to both teams rolling, complete with Impact's horrible background music. But it's on like Donkey Kong. This was good shit. And speaking of good shit, the, inve- in the inevitable Ace Austin versus Chris Bay, distraction by Fulton on the floor, allowed the Super X Cup winner to stun Bay with a big kick to the face and set up for the fold. But TJP appears on the stage, taking a seat, providing a distraction. Austin launched himself across the ring with a fold, but Bay counted to a cutter and folded with the art of finesse. For the win. This was a great match. Everyone played their part well. Even Fulton, um, you know, not getting back in time. So smooth. These two are the future. And then more Johnny Swinger shit. Rahit Raju berated uh, Sherrard backstage. Sherrard to lit Raju up by the head. And pin him to the wall saying, I don't you owe you anything. And then walked off. And then ODB versus Susan. And Susan delivered an ineffective low blow for falling prey to the dirty dozen. Susan dumped out ODB's booze in fear the former KO champion, leading her to her own demise via TKO. After the match, Barazzo and Kimberly rushed to the ring and attacked ODB. Josh and Delirium Grace made a save early for the knockout second champion's fire and flavour to attack. The Hills stood tall to close the segment and wrap up the hype for the two title belts at Sack. This, this was okay. And then Matt Striker did have Brown checked in for the commentary set. They noted that the sport of pro wrestling will evolve at sacrifice. Uh, they announced the following matches. So we've got Dorana Paratsu versus ODB for the Knockouts title. Kira Hogan and Tasha Stills versus Jazz and Grace for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Eddie Edwards versus Brian Myers in a Hold Harmless match. Joe Doring and Dina versus James Dong and Chris Sabing. Reno Scum versus Decay. Tanil Dashwood and Caleb versus Hammer. TJP versus Ace Austin for the X Division Championship. The Good Brothers versus Finn Juice for the Tag Team Championship. And Rich Swan versus me for the Impact World Championship. Striking out that Demore still has something to say about the world title match. Now he was sitting in a boardroom table speaking to someone off camera before getting a contract signed. Scott was interrupted when he heard Moose's entrance music. Moose walked to the ring to call out Demore. He demanded Demore to tell Moose the big announcement he has for the title match. And he left the boardroom to head to the ring. Moose threatened to hold the show hostage. I mean, there was only four minutes left. But Demore's entrance being played with him making his entrance. He said he doesn't intend to disrespect Moose. He tells everyone the news. He has to welcome Rich Swan to the ring. Swan makes his entrance. He looks focused and didn't dance to the ring for once. Demore talked about how Moose claimed to be a world champion. Didn't bother Demore for a year because all Moose did was another bell from a prop locker. Demore announced that the Rich Swan versus Moose title match will be a title unification match for both world championships. Demore said that this wasn't his big announcement. Demore then announced that the winner versus Swan versus Moose will end up wrestling Kenny Omega for Omega's world title. Matt Striker that the Impact just broke the internet. Swan and Moose and held the titles up at each other. Before Impact could close, the camera cut to the ballroom to show that Scott DeMore was talking to Don Callis. Callis on the phone talking to Kenny Omega saying that it all went according to plan. Wow. It has been rumoured 
both. And with one segment, Impact Wrestling exponentially elevated the significance of the live event main event. The company already said they built Swan vs. Moose for months. And now not only does the winner earn both championship, but enormous main event match with Omega also hangs overhead. The stakes are as high as they have ever been, increasing the pressure on both Swan and Moose to emerge victorious. Omega is first desire not to face Moose while already pinned Swan in tag team action back at Hard to Kill. Might the AEW World Champion make his present felt picking his next opponent by interfering in the match? Well, who knows? Of course, we will be doing predictions for the show as well as find out who we went for, of course, on Tuesday where I will be joined by the Chokeslam Sport or the ultimate one as it was to bring you Impact Sacrifice. But Impact has been really, really good. It's a stacked show. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Of course, AEW has been good today. But that is it. That, uh, don't forget, before is Rear Fan Forever. And don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcasts. I'm at the WNR JR. Or WNR, or Facebook and Instagram. Across the Google platforms, at gmail.com and YouTube, WNR Podcasts. We have all the same latest clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is Impact Sacrifice. And next time alone, I'll be catching up with NXT UK next weekend. But until then, I have been James Rollins. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye.